It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, and we are into June. Which means fantasy football is right around the corner. I love it. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use promo code podcast one. Betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Love that 50% sign up bonus with that code podcast one. Almost as much as I love talking to my guy, Evan Silva, every week here, On the Fantasy Feast podcast, he is by far, in my mind, the best fantasy expert on the planet. At Evan Silva on Twitter, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. If you're a Facebook person, that means A, you're old, but B, you're still awesome in my mind. Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You know how much we love when you retweet or like when we post the show, uh, that really helps us spread the word about it. So thank you very much for those of you that do it. Very excited, by the way, about today's show because as those of you that follow him on social media know, Evan has been doing a lot of research for the season and he's kind of got his top 10 fantasy early observations, I guess I'm going to call it. I don't know what you're calling it, Evan, but I'm going to call it your early research top 10 commandments, if you will, for the 2019 season. So these are all good. They're all juicy. You're going to enjoy them momentarily after I tell you that two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. I am one of them. Uh, It stinks. Not cool. But I kind of knew it was coming because my grandpa, my mom's dad, he lost his hair really early. At any rate, I started taking a pill every morning. I started putting on a topical solution in the morning and at night because those are the two FDA-approved medicines to keep your hair. And I'm on TV and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to keep it. Let me just tell you guys, there's a better way now, and it keeps so much easier. You literally just go online, fill out a couple questions, take a couple pictures, boom, they're online licensed physicians, review your information, review your pictures, and then you will get approved if you should be approved. And you'll start getting the medicine sent directly to your house. In fact, I just got the my new shipment of pills yesterday from Keeps. It is awesome. So much easier than it used to be. Here's the deal, too. If you go to keeps.com slash feast, you get your first month of treatment for free. So try it out. Biggest advice I can give you is do it before you start to lose your hair. Because the best thing it does is keep what hair you have. K-E-E-P-S dot com. Keeps dot com slash feast. That is the key. Keeps dot com slash feast. 
for that first month of treatment for free. All right, Evan, I am really looking forward to this. I know some of this stuff you've kind of already tweeted about, but I love as you dive into your research, getting some pearls of wisdom and things that you're noticing. And it's interesting because three of them have to do with the Baltimore Ravens. You're, you're finding a lot of nuggets out with the Baltimore Ravens. Let's start with what you're, what you've discovered as it relates to their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Right. Well, there are a lot of moving parts with the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, Last year, Lamar Jackson replaced Joe Flacco in Week 11. He was the quarterback eight in fantasy football from that point on. He did not go over 25 pass attempts in any of his seven regular season starts. He did get to 29 pass attempts in the playoff loss to the Chargers after the Ravens fell behind. Uh, But in in the regular season, he did not. He did average 17 carries for... 79.7 rushing yards per game. And that's really what propelled his uh, fantasy value late in the season. Um, If you remember, we talked a lot about late last season, whether he would have a a true ceiling game, you know, a game where he maybe threw two touchdown passes, threw for 200 yards, ran for one and ran for like 80 yards, never really came together. Um, But he, he was really, really consistent. And again, he was the number eight, o- number eight overall fantasy quarterback uh, across his starts. You also have to, but and people are too low on Lamar Jackson. I think entering 2019, there's this per- perception that he just can't throw. Well, he averaged over seven yards per pass attempt as a rookie. That was much higher than. Joe Flacco's rookie year yards for pass attempt. And Joe Flacco um, entered a situation where he was the likely starter uh, for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, as a rookie, was, uh, he, I mean, he handled the second team duties and barely played in the first half of the season. During the offseason, they revamped his pass catcher core. Um, they're turning over 296 targets uh, from last season's roster. Crabtree's gone. John Brown has gone in is Marquise Brown in is Miles Boykin. They are expecting more from Chris Moore and Mark Andrews had an outstanding rookie season, which we're going to talk about um, in a minute. You go back and look at Lamar Jackson uh, in college and his year to year progression in his first season at Louisville completed 54% of his passes second year, 56.2 third year, 59.1. He got better every season. He entered the season, entered his the NFL as a, a relatively young rookie at 21 years old. I really like the promotion of Greg Roman uh, to full-time offensive coordinator. Last year was kind of working under Marty Morningweg. Greg Roman has a history with Tyrod Taylor and Colin Kaepernick. Both of those guys had their career best seasons under Greg with, with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator in Buffalo in San Francisco, uh, respectively. And I, there, you know, just this, this general perception that Lamar Jackson can't throw, I, I understand it because he did have a really high off-target throw rate last year. It was um, the second highest in the league among 38 qualifying quarterbacks. Things didn't always look pretty for Lamar Jackson. He throws the ball from a narrow base. You know, he can get wild at times. 
but I also think that he's going to get better. And I think that a lot of people are not giving him enough room for growth entering his second season. I think that the arrow, kind of like it was at Louisville, is going to teeter up uh, the more and more he plays. I love it. Now, you mentioned his skill guys. What about specifically, you know, some of his skill guys, new guys like Mark Ingram? Yeah, uh, Mark Ingram. So the Ravens signed Mark Ingram to a three-year, $15 million deal. First of all, you have to understand that late last season, I mean, they were playing with kind of a scrub backfield. I mean, they they actually changed their backfield in at a corresponding time to when they changed their quarterback. Um, they came out of their week 10 by, and um, – they got rid of Alex Collins. They pulled Buck Allen out of the backfield, and they went with a three-man backfield of Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon, and Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery is gone. I mean, they just let him walk. He's, he's like now a backup, a, a third stringer, a fourth stringer on the Jets. Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon are back, but the Ravens wanted to upgrade on those guys. But those guys were highly successful late in the season, and now the Ravens are, um, you know, they have talent upgrades on them. And Mark Ingram and, and Justice Hill. Justice Hill is way more dynamic than any of the running backs, other than, other than any of the other running backs in this conversation. And I think that Mark Ingram is a, um, an upgrade on all three of those guys that we mentioned, Gus Edwards, Kent Dixon, and Ty Montgomery. Um, I think that, for the role that he is going to play, and I still think it's going to be a two- or three-man backfield, but for the role that he is going to play, it is like a, as a direct replacement for Gus Edwards, who averaged 17.5 carries and Jackson starts um, and brought nothing to the table in the passing game. It, during that week's 11-17 through 17 stretch, Gus Edwards had one reception on one target. Uh, and Mark Ingram can bring a little bit more than that. Um, so I think that th- there's a clear upgrade there. The Ravens are also missing the second most carries inside the five-yard line. They're missing 13 carries inside the five-yard line from last year's team. And I think that that's probably going to be primarily uh, Mark Ingram's role when they use running backs in those situations. There are some concerns, though. Okay, Mark Ingram, you know, just the fact that he – projects is the lead runner on the NFL's run heaviest team that you know makes sense intuitively logically that Mark Ingram is going to have a productive season but there are a couple of concerns first of all you know and we've talked about this ad nauseum over the years quarterbacks that can run tend to scramble when their reads are covered as opposed to checking the ball down and Lamar Jackson did this well, first of all you're you're not you're not you're dealing with a, a low number of of passes to be distributed within the offense because hey the Ravens were the run heaviest team from weeks 11 through 17 last year this year they project as the run heaviest team in the NFL so the passing game distribution is limited to begin with but then you add in the element of you know, this uh, uh, scrambling quarterback who's going to take off before he checks down. And just you know, here's a stat. So Mark Ingram last year played with Drew Brees. Drew Brees targeted running backs 
nine times per start and on 29% of his pass attempts last year. Lamar Jackson targeted running backs 3.6 times per start. That's less than half the Drew Brees, half of Drew Brees, and on just 15% of his pass attempts last year. That is half of what Drew Brees, um, you know, Drew Brees target rates of running backs last year. And then um, Lamar Jackson, in only seven starts last year, finished eighth in the NFL in red zone carries. He had 37 red zone carries. So is that going to cut into Ingram's touchdown production? So we're not anticipating really any receiving role out of Mark Ingram. I mean, 3.6 targets to running backs per game, that, that isn't going to get it done, um, you know, to, to produce like PPR value for Mark Ingram. And then he could get squeezed in scoring position as well. So he's a really hot button player this off season. Some people just think, oh, he's, you know, the, the greatest, you know, the greatest RB2 pick that you could conceive of. But I think he's going to get squeezed in the passing game and in scoring position. And I actually think he's a little bit over, overrated this year. I like that, Evan. And it's, it is a good point about throwing the ball to the running backs. Now, you also mentioned Mark Andrews. And, you know, you and I were talking. I didn't even realize. I remember, I think, I think he caught a big touchdown pass in the Chargers game I called against the Ravens. But you had some thoughts on Mark Andrews for this season that people need to know about. Yeah, third round pick last year. So he had one of the best rookie tight ends seasons in recent NFL history. Um, and, you know, he was drafted in the same draft that they use a first round pick on Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, of course, broke his foot coming out of the gate. Hayden Hurst looked like he was going to be a big part of the offense late in the preseason. I think it was the third or the fourth preseason game. Lamar really showed a connection with Hayden Hurst as well. Um, they wanted him to be a big, big time player in their, in their offense. And that is a concern for Mark Andrews, 2019 usage, but man, Mark Andrews can be hard to pull off the field. Okay. Six foot five, two, two fifty six. He ran four, six, seven coming out of Oklahoma where he was extremely productive and he jumps right in the NFL and produces. He was fifth among all NFL tight ends, not just rookie tight ends, fifth among all NFL tight ends in yards per route run last season. Yards per route run, um, as we've talked about over the years, is um, one of the better predictive stats that pro football focus generates. And if you just go back and look at um, the tight end, the rookie tight ends that have led in this particular metric over the years. You know, it's it's Rob Gronkowski. It's it's all the the big time players, Hunter Henry. Uh, all the big time tight ends have led in this t- statistic, and Mark Andrews uh, is the latest. His 552 yards were the fifth most by a rookie tight end in the last decade, and he averaged 16.2 yards per catch last year, which were second only behind O.J. Howard's 16.6. So, man, this was a really, really productive rookie tight end season that kind of flew under the radar. He made a lot of big plays. He's got that size, that length, that speed of a tight end that can win down the seam and truly can be a field stretcher. I think that Hayden Hurst is actually more of a possession tight end, and Mark Andrews can be – the, the field stretching tight end in this offense in 
that playoff game that we mentioned off the top with Lamar Jackson, where he uh, had his most pass attempts all season, he had 29 pass attempts. Mark Andrews led the team in targets, had seven targets in that game. And I think that we're going to see more games this year with Lamar Jackson in that 25 to 30 pass attempt range. I don't think he's going to get a whole, a whole lot you know, higher than that. But I think we're going to see more games in that 25 to 30 pass attempt range. And, you know, if Mark Andrews can get five to seven targets per game um, on a more consistent basis, he's going to be a guy that we can consider as a streamer week to week. Right now, I like him best as a best ball tight end two or tight end three. I saw on, on ESPN, they have him uh, ranked as the number 26 overall fantasy tight end. You know, he's got way more, he's got upside to crush that. I mean, he's got upside to finish, you know, top 12, top 15 among tight ends. Um, so I think people are really sleeping on this dude and, um, you know, just not realizing how, how productive his rookie season was and what that can mean for the future. Because we've seen these rookie tight ends that produce right out of the gate, you know, they have, they tend to have success um, going forward. Speaking of tight ends, you know, Eric Ebron is a guy that surprised a lot of people last year, Evan. And even I, not being a fantasy guru, have to think that there's got to be some regression there in terms of his touchdowns, right? And that's the place to start. Um, You know, clearly it's very unlikely he's going to score 14 touchdowns. Again, he had 13 receiving and one rushing last year. And what happened is just that the the progression of the season just worked out so perfectly for Eric Ebron. Of course, playing with Andrew Luck, you know, and he's not losing that this year. Playing with Andrew Luck was a huge boon to his production. He had career highs across the board. I mean, he had six, 65 catches, he had over 700 yards, you know, and there were, especially during the really thin days of, of T.Y. Hilton, who – dealt with every injury in the book. Um, I mean, there were weeks where it was, who's the ball going to go to besides Eric Ebron? And that is going to change this year. Um, I went back and looked at the games in which Jack Doyle played. Jack Doyle, of course, the Colts, number two, really their number one tight end, uh, as you'll hear, as you'll hear, hear, hear. Um, Jack Doyle, is going to be back from from his injuries. He played in six games last year. In those six games, we're just isolating to those six games in which Jack Doyle played. He played 331 snaps, and Eric Ebron played 164. Okay, Jack Doyle out-targeted, had had 33 targets. Eric Ebron had 22 targets in those six games. Eric Ebron averaged 8.8 targets in games missed by Jack Doyle and 4.4 targets when Jack Doyle played. Um, Jack Doyle was essentially the starter, and Eric Ebron was a situational player. And now you add in the addition of Devin Funches, who really is kind of – he can be used similar to, similarly to Eric Ebron. Paris Campbell, who's going to be a better slot receiver – then was Chester Rogers and T.Y. Hilton healthier. This is not a good situation for Eric Ebron. And every time that he gets drafted in that same range as Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram and 
OJ Howard and even Vance McDonald. I mean, I have him as like the tight end 15 and he gets drafted um, as like the tight end five or tight end six. He's the most overvalued player in fantasy football right now, Eric Ebron. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I feel like a lot of people chase last year's points, last year's touchdowns. Let's, let's move it away from tight ends. Let's move it to some other guys that, that you're higher on, kind of like Mark Andrews that maybe people aren't really thinking about. How about in Denver? Yeah, let's go to Denver. I've, I've talked about Deshaun Hamilton quite a bit, but, um, you know, really want to continue to drill this guy because he's so cheap in drafts because he's a 13th through 16th round pick at this point. Um, and he's got a lot more opportunity, and I think he's a better talent than is, is commonly given credit for. Um, so Emmanuel Sanders, you know, Dr. Chow believes that Emmanuel Sanders is going to open the season on reserve PUP. I mean, how is this guy even going to be a factor after that? You know, reserve PUP would, of course, cost him the first six games. This guy's 32 years old coming off a late-season Achilles tear. And that's just – this is – I think he's unfortunately – and I love Emmanuel Sanders, but I think he's a guy to bet, bet against probably for the rest of his career. Um, and Deshaun Hamilton is going to play that role. After Emmanuel Sanders tore his Achilles, after the Demarius Thomas trade, Deshaun Hamilton had 25 catches over the Broncos' final four games. Um you know, we're talking about six, seven catches a game. That That's highly lucrative in a PPR setting. You go back and look at some of the receivers with whom Joe Flacco, the Broncos' new starting quarterback, has ripped. And, you know, his first number one receiver in the NFL was Derek Mason. And I think that Deshaun Hamilton is kind of similar to, to Derek Mason, a guy who wins with hands and routes. Um, and is going to win in the, in the in the interior portion of the field. Um, and then you think about like Anquan Bolden, uh, another guy who won with hands and routes on the interior portion of the field. Um, and I think that Deshaun Hamilton is going to play that Emmanuel Sanders role as the slot receiver. He ran 63% of his routes in the slot last year. And Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are going to open the season as the Broncos' outside receivers. So, you know, I like that. I think that's going to be a really friendly area uh, for Deshaun Hamilton to exist and rack up targets and rack up catches um, and, and, you know, high percentage targets from Joe Flacco really all year long, certainly in the first six games when Emmanuel Sanders is on PUP. Uh, but I think even after that, I think Deshaun Hamilton is going to be difficult uh, for the Broncos to pull out of that role because he's going to be efficient. He's going to get open. He's going to form an on-field bond with Joe Flacco, just like Derek Mason did way back when. I think that's a pretty good point. What about all the uh, the hype about how great Devontae Freeman is looking in Atlanta. No Tevin Coleman now, Evan. I mean, could this be a big year for Devontae? Yeah, no Tevin Coleman. You mentioned on um, uh, one of our recent podcasts that you thought that Todd Gurley would be like a make-or-break guy, a guy who swings 
teams, you know, swings fantasy teams this year, and I, I fully agree with that. I think that Devontae Freeman could be like that as well. Now, he doesn't cost as much as Todd Gurley. He's going about a round or two later than Todd Gurley, about a round and a half later than Todd Gurley at this point. Um, but he's, I think he's a boomer bus guy. And there are a lot of reasons to expect him to boom. Um, entering a season, Devontae Freeman has never had this high of a volume projection. Um, you know, and that's with pulling Tevin Coleman out of the offense. That's with the Falcons just likely to run more this year. They finished 30th in the NFL in rushing attempts last year. And a lot of that was due to the fact they lost so many dudes on defense. Deion Jones, both their starting safeties early in the year. Grady Jarrett missed time during the season. And their defense was just a complete sieve. Um, they gave up the eighth most points in the NFL. They were in constant shootout situations. Look at what they did in the offseason. They gave James Carpenter, Ty Sambrello, and Jamon Brown, uh, all, all offensive linemen, of course, pretty significant contracts, not huge contracts, but definitely guys that are you know competing to start at very worst kind of contracts, like 6 to $8 million per year. And then they used two first-round picks on their right guard, Chris Lindstrom, and their probable right tackle, Caleb McGarry. Um, so that signals a, a want to you know, take more advantage of, of what they have up front and become more of a running team. Um, and, you know, I think that Devontae Freeman, if you look at just his – if you adjust he, – so he opened last season, it was just a complete disaster. But if you take away – just remove those two games, and you look at his previous 16 games in the NFL, he's got almost 1,500 yards from scrimmage, he's got 50 catches, and he's got nine touchdowns. And if we could get you know a 15- or 16-game season out of, out of him producing like that, he's going to crush his late third-round average draft position. The reason for trepidation in Atlanta regarding Devontae Freeman is the fact that his body may be breaking down. You know, and this is where the downside comes in. He sprained multiple knee ligaments at, um, at the end of 2017. He aggravated that injury in 2018. He missed the first three games. He sprained his foot in week six last year, and then he wound up needing groin surgery, and that, and that shut him down for the season. Uh, but if you look at his competition for touches in Atlanta, it's not real imposing. Edo Smith had a pretty mediocre first season and is coming off a knee scope. You know, Quadri Allison, kind of an, an intriguing banger, uh, you know, big back out of pit, uh, but, you know, didn't catch passes, the fifth-round pick. Brian Hill, you know, a guy that uh, they kind of have, have picked up off the scrap heap before, you know, has bounced around, spent some time with the Bengals, had some big runs late last season, but, you know, not a guy that they have a whole lot invested in. So um, Devontae Freeman, I mean, I've, I've been hammering him myself, um, but there is significant downside there. And, and at the end of the day, I think that he it does fall into that bucket of guys that are boomer bust and are going to make or break and swing fantasy seasons. You putting Kyler Murray in that category? Yeah, I mean, 
Not as much because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to cost you a third or, or, or not, he's not going to cost you a third round pick. But I do think that he is a guy that um, can have a big fantasy season that can be that next, you know, we've seen dual threat quarterbacks um, have big time fantasy production. Deshaun Watson a couple of years ago uh, scored more fantasy points as a rookie than anybody on a per game basis. Um, that was also the case for Patrick Mahomes, of course, in his uh, first NFL or his first NFL season as a starter. Dak Prescott was the number six overall fantasy quarterback uh, as a rookie. Russell Wilson was a top ten guy, even in a very low volume situation. Cam Newton was top five. Josh Allen was banged up quite a bit last year, but from weeks twelve through seventeen, he was the number one overall fantasy quarterback. So. These guys that can run, you know, we, we need to continue to really bang this drum because these guys, these are the guys that give you a competitive advantage and people continue to overlook because they are, they're fixated on how do team, how do quarterbacks throw. And in fantasy, you know, you, you get a guy like Lamar Jackson, he did not have a great season throwing last year, but like we talked about at the top, he was the number eight overall fantasy quarterback in his starts. Kyler Murray, I think, is going to be a better passer as a rookie than was Lamar Jackson, probably by a significant margin. Um, and I really like to say, and this is another situation where a lot of people are down on the Cardinals offense. Um, you know, they look at Cliff Kingsbury's one loss record at Texas Tech. That, you know, that, that just doesn't mean anything to me um, from a predictive standpoint, especially as it relates to, to fantasy football. I think that Cliff Kingsbury, what, what really does matter are Cliff Kingsbury's offensive philosophies. And one of those is to get the ball out of his quarterback's hands quickly. You know, in six years at Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury's Red Raiders teams had one offensive lineman drafted in six years. Okay, so they were not working with a lot of talent on the offensive line. That one guy was uh, LaRaven Clark drafted by the Colts has not, you know, isn't a starter. You know, he's like uh, the number seven or eight offensive lineman on the Colts. That was the only guy they had drafted. So they had to work around that kind of lack of talent and they got the ball out of their quarterback's hands quickly. And they played really, really fast. They averaged the most plays per game over that six year stretch of, of any college football team. They were 82 plays per game. Last year, the Cardinals were second to last in the NFL in plays per game. So we're going to get an, a spike in offensive volume from the Cardinals. Um, we're going to get a, a different philosophy on how to protect the quarterback and put the quarterback into comfortable situations. We're getting a situation where we're going from Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen, two of the least mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, to one of the most quarter, a guy who's going to be one of the most quarterbacks in the NFL, in most mobile quarterbacks, in Kyler Murray. You know, just it's going to be a complete 180 from what we saw last year, and I think that this offense has a chance to take the league by storm. I love Christian Kirk in this situation, uh, and, and we can we can talk about him next. Well, let's get to that. Uh, because you've yeah. studied Cliff Kingsbury. What do you think that that means for their skill guys? 
Yeah, so I think that this is the year that we see Larry Fitzgerald kind of take a step back. Um, and I know people have saying have been saying that for you know a long time. We haven't been saying that. You know, we we've been on Larry Fitzgerald, um, but I think that we see him take a step back this year and not play as much slot as he has in the past. If you go back and look at Cliff Kingsbury's offenses at Texas Tech. Jakeem Grant, Kiki QT, Bradley Marquez, Jonathan Giles, all smaller guys. These are the guys who dominated in the slot. You put the big dudes outside, Antoine Wesley, Dylan Cantrell. These guys played more outside. Christian Kirk at 5'10", 201, looks like the perfect slot receiver, and he played a bunch of slot receiver in college at Texas A&M. And I think that Andy Isabella, is going to be the favorite for the other slot receiver job uh, because this is going to be a four-wide offense. And, you know, I think that the Cardinals are going to break the, the NFL record for, for most four-wide formations. That has not been a very common formation uh, in the NFL. I'm actually uh, uh, editing Warren Sharp's book right now, and that's one of the least used formations. They'll use, like, five receivers before they use four receivers. Um, in the NFL. But uh, I think we're going to see a lot of four-receiver formation with two guys in the slot. Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella are going to be those guys. And then on the outside, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, we're going to see him on the outside more. And then that fourth receiver job is going to be up for grabs between like Hakeem Butler, Chad Williams, Kevin White, um, maybe Keyshawn Johnson, who they drafted in uh, the sixth round. Um, and Christian Kirk was really good in the slot last year. He caught 15 of his 20 slot targets for 196 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 1.9 yards per slot route run. Larry Fitzgerald was only at 1.36 yards per slot route run. Um, I think we see Christian Kirk as a breakout player this year, and he takes the reins in the Cardinals passing attack under Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray slinging it. What about, what does that mean, especially the four wide receiver set for David Johnson in the backfield? I think he can help him because, you know, last year the Cardinals used a lot of enclosed bunch formations and, you know, invited eight defenders into the box. They ran behind center at the highest rate in the NFL. And I think that David Johnson, you know, even going back to uh, watching his college tape at Northern Iowa, this guy has always been not the greatest interior runner, but a dynamic guy when you get him on the edges, um, when you get him involved in the passing game. I think that he could be a factor in the slot, especially if Andy Isabella um, you know, doesn't come along and earn a, a huge role right away. I think we could see David Johnson lining up in the slot. He was a highly effective slot receiver when utilized there by Bruce Arians earlier in his career. I think that David Johnson, you know, a lot of people, so this is what happens a lot, and you talked about it, you kind of alluded to it earlier. What happens a lot is a guy will kind of, people will feel like they get burned by a guy and they'll say never again, you know, and they won't look at his rebound potential. This happened with Todd Gurley a couple of years ago. He had a terrible year, and people just said never again, and you could get him in the third round every time. And I had my skepticism on Todd Gurley, you know, before that 2017 monster season. But there was no way I was passing him up in the third round. And I wound up getting a ton of them, like in MFL 10s and 
you know, all kinds of different drafts and I had a really, really good fantasy season that year, just kind of using logic there, you know, and, and trying to chase volume and David Johnson's volume is not threatened um, in Arizona. Chase Edmonds, I think is a, one of the better handcuffs in the league, but he's not, you know, he's not a, a guy that's really going to threat, truly threaten the, the carries and production of David Johnson. David Johnson, despite being, you know, kind of seen as a bust last year. He was the number nine overall fantasy running back in PPR. He was the number 10 overall running back in non-PPR. Wasn't really winning you weeks, but wasn't hurting you um, as much as as was perceived. He still scored 10 touchdowns um, and averaged 19.3 touches per game. The Cardinals' offensive line is not perfect. You know, it's still it's still a work in progress. But they did add J.R. Sweezy, who's been a good run blocker historically, and they got Marcus Gilbert via trade. When Marcus Gilbert has been healthy, he's been a great right tackle. Um, and I think that we are going to see the, this offense be spread out and get David Johnson in more space. I went back and looked at the backfield historically for Cliff Kingsbury because everyone perceives him as a guy who just you know, never gives the ball to the running backs, and you know, all he does is throw the ball to the receivers. Not the case. He was actually very good about adjusting his offense to account for the talent that he had. In his first season, Jay Samaro, if you remember him, he got drafted in the second round. He had a monster season at tight end, and then Cliff Kingsbury never had another good tight end, and no tight ends ever got any production. You know, um, in, uh, in 2000. 14 and 2015, he had DeAndre Washington, who went on to be drafted by the Raiders. DeAndre Washington had two really big years under Cliff Kingsbury. You know, this is an NFL player. They didn't have many many NFL players at Texas Tech. When they did have them, they featured they they featured them. DeAndre Washington had 233 carries for almost 1,500 yards and 14 rushing touchdowns um, in 2015. He averaged. 144 total yards per game. So I think that that's going to be the template for David Johnson's usage. And I I have David Johnson bouncing back with ease as the number five overall running back in 2019. All right. So let's finish up with like a, a, a late round guy. If there's a late round guy that you like, that people should be thinking about getting in their head now, who is it? Yeah, Alexander Madison of the Vikings. And, you know, I, I didn't like this pick. Like, I didn't like him as a real-life draft pick. Um, I thought he was taken a little bit too early for a big back who runs, you know, almost 4-7. And I would have loved to have seen the Vikings take Hakeem Butler at that, at that late uh, third-round position. I think this was pick, like, number 97. Um and, you know, Akeem Butler is kind of everything that you would, would have wanted Laquan Treadwell to be. And I think really would have helped the Vikings, um, their 11 personnel package. But they took Alexander Madison. And, you know, you talk, you talk about the situation that he walks into. Dalvin Cook has missed 17 of 32 games over the last two seasons uh, since entering the NFL. He's had a slew of injuries. It hasn't been just the ACL. He was injured a lot at Florida State. That's one of the reasons that he was not a first-round pick when he came out in the draft. So this is not, you know, this is not a situation where it's like, oh, it's just a lot of dumb luck. I mean, 
it's been kind of a trend for Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's a little bit smaller, and Alexander Madison is big. Weighed in at 221 before the draft. I think he can be a standalone, a guy who offers standalone value. I think you could get him at like 11 to 13 touches per game right off the bat. This team wants to run under Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski. They started to run a lot more down the stretch under Stefanski, and then you don't add Gary Kubiak in the offseason without, you know, using everything, you know, using up his running game. I mean, that's why you hire, why you hired Gary Kubiak is to use his running game. They consider uh, Alexander Madison to be a great fit, you know, for that like one cut zone outside zone scheme. And, um, and then if Dalvin cook goes down as he has so often, you have the lead back on a team that wants to be run first, that is going to play good defense that, Hey, can't get worse in terms of their offensive line play. Uh, I love that Garrett Bradbury pick, by the way. Um, but I think that you have a, a, a decent floor pick in Alexander Madison with pretty good upside, and you can get him pretty much every time in you know, the 13th, 14th, 15th round. One of my favorite, quote-unquote, number two backs to draft in fantasy this year. Evan, excellent work as always. I love it. Uh, maybe we can do it again next week if you got another top 10 or in a couple months in August before the tears of Evan. Anyway, um, you should all be crying tears of Evan if you haven't yet gone to betonline.ag and used the promo code podcast one for the 50% five zero. Big ones, 50% welcome bonus. We've got game three of the NBA Finals tomorrow night. We've got NHL Stanley Cup Final going on. Certainly more and more people are getting into placing some NFL bets, which we will be talking about on the Even Money Podcast. Today, Steve has uh, some pro tips on betting games of the year, like like an Army-Navy game. For example, love it. All of that, by the way, you can do at betonline.ag using the glorious promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, promo code PODCAST1. Other than that, I'm stuffed. A typically meaty Evan Silva fantasy feast Already can't wait for next week here. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaton Podcast. Please retweet the show, rate and review the show, and ask Evan any question your little heart desires. Any question. Season long, keeper league. You take advantage of any sponsor, send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and you can ask him. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.